Andy, can you believe we've almost hit 700 episodes of The Next Reel? I know, it's crazy. And with all the other episodes in our family of podcasts, we are well over 1,200 episodes of movie conversation. It's really pretty amazing that we've gotten to have these in-depth movie chats every week for over a decade now. And we couldn't have done it without our loyal community of film fans. Their support over the years has meant so much. For sure. That reminds me, we should give the merch store a shout out. Buying shirts from thenextreel.com slash merch is a great way listeners can continue to support the show. Plus, they get to sport our great designs. Absolutely. I think sometimes folks forget we have a variety of shirts, mugs, phone cases, and more available. In fact, a great place to start is with a shirt sporting the Next Reel's logo. We also have that classic Fast Times Spicoli Surf School tee, or the weirdly popular Rusty's European Tour shirt. The one from National Foods European Vacation. Why is that so popular? <laughs> Search me, but we have sold a ridiculous number of those. I guess there are a lot of Rusties taking trips to Europe? We're always adding new designs based on movies we've covered, like our brand new design for a streetcar named Desire, featuring a streetcar named Desire. So if you want to rep your love of TNR and films, head to thenextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011. That's right, 12 years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week. If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on. That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club. In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least. <laughs> for our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There? We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis's Christmas in July. We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie? Uh, yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well. Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at thenextreel.com slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you. So dive in and get your next read today. Thenextreel.com slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. It took us a while to settle into the show's format, so you'll notice some differences as you listen to these episodes. For instance, it takes us a bit of time to actually get into the conversation about the movie. Things like that. But we're still proud of the conversations about the movies themselves, and we think they're worth keeping in the library. So enjoy these episodes from our back catalog. And you can become part of our Discord community, learn more about the show, and find out how you can become a supporting member at thenextreel.com. So thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to The Next Reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. I'm so excited about the movie we're talking about tonight. It makes me cry man tears. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, good. <laughs> I like that. Right? Yeah, this right? is your field of dreams. It, is it?
I guess so. Field of Dreams makes me cry man tears. Oh, oh that's right. I guess that's true. I guess that's true, you simpering imp. <laughs> what kind of a man are you? <laughs> okay. Uh, so this is the next reel, and uh, uh, I, I'm Pete, and the other guy over there is Andy, and uh, we're we're really really thrilled that you're here. Uh, and uh, we talk about movies. We talk about one movie each week, and and we're so glad you can join us to hear us talk about that movie. Um, we spoil the movies heavily, uh, and so make sure you go see the movie if you haven't seen it. Go see it first. You can find us on the web at thenextreel.com. You can listen to the show. You can also listen live at thenextreel.com slash live. You know, I haven't done anything to make that easier for people, so you got to be brave <laughs> and uh, know that you're a little bit of a grease monkey. You're getting under the hood when you try to listen to us live. So we'll fix that eventually, but for now, we're still still learning. Uh, you can find us and like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash thenextreel, and uh, you'll get the updates when you like us on that page. You can call us at 657-201-7335. That's 657-201-REAL. Leave us a message there, and we will uh, almost assuredly play it on the air. Um, and write us an email, show at thenextreel.com. Uh, oh, yes, and iTunes. Uh, if you're listening to us on the website or on Facebook, make sure you head over to iTunes, search for us uh, at The Next Reel, and leave us a review, preferably a five-star rating. It certainly helps other people find and join us and join our little, our little cinema community. Yes. We've got a, we've got a, a wee community. A wee band. This <laughs> yeah. band of brothers. Tis. Tis. All right. I was How, gonna get all Shakespearean there, but uh, no, that's uh, it's pretty much all I've got. <laughs> I don't have a script. We few, we happy few. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, so okay. So tell me, uh, tell me what you've been what you've been doing this week. Uh, we we should talk at at the risk of of creating a little uh, rat hole here. We should talk a little bit about the Oscars, right? Yeah. Do you want to, I mean, do you, 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 I don't, I don't know. You seem all weird about it. I, this is the thing we look forward to. And here yeah. you are getting kind of weird about it. What's no, going I, on with but that? It's just because I know it can turn into a very long conversation. It's not going to be, you know, it's and, not going to be because I'll tell you why. Cause there's just one big question and that is in general, good calls, bad calls. You know, I, I didn't win my Oscar pool. So I, I was a little disappointed about that. Um, <clears throat> but I, I thought they did a good job picking, you know, I, I, I mean, it was, it, it was an interesting year because, uh, for the first time in a while, I felt like they had a lot of really strong choices in virtually every category, at least the, the big ones, um, that I'd been paying attention to. And I was really happy. I, I think the, the one disappointment for me was that Brave won over Wreck-It Ralph, which <laughs> I enjoyed more than Brave. I just felt like Brave was such a retread of Brother Bear. I just wish that they had, I wish that everyone else had seen that. I think that they just liked the fact that it was a strong female protagonist. That's my... I, yeah, I think that's true. I think you and I are split on that one. I, uh, that was not a surprise to me. I'm really thrilled that Brave won because that's, a, that's, that's one of the new classics in our house. Uh, yeah, I was well, I was not I was not surprised really by any of even if they weren't my picks I certainly wasn't surprised by by you know how the academy fell um, I was super pleased with with wins like Christoph Waltz yeah um, I was super duper duper pleased uh, with Jennifer Lawrence frankly uh, uh, and and I'll tell you why it's okay. not for the reason you think okay. I am pleased because if you start the process of learning about Jennifer Lawrence, mm -hmm. right, as I did after she won, you know, I went through and I started Googling a little bit, you will find an underground network of Jennifer Lawrence animated GIFs of her being awesome, which leads you to a series of YouTube videos that of her saying incredibly uh, funny and inappropriately honest things in public uh as it turns out she's super charming yeah and i, I found myself really uh really, i found her really endearing herself to me after she won so it, I, I it's did, sort of retroactive I, I did see her um post interview with all the press after the oscars and she was very endearing there and i i enjoyed that um more than i enjoyed her acceptance speech 
Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't I, remember I who did you who did you have picked for best actress? Chastain, Jessica Chastain. I I, I really like Jessica Chastain. I thought she was great. She would have been my pick. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She I was, also liked she was Emmanuel Riva quite a bit in Amor, although that movie is just really hard to watch. Yeah. Um. Uh, but nothing else. Uh, nothing else really surprised me. I I was su- uh, also super pleased with uh, uh, Life of Pi. Yeah, that's, uh, particularly I mean, Claudia Miranda. I mean, I I that was a. A well, well deserved, I think, a fantastic choice. Oh, absolutely, absolutely! It was a gorgeous film. I thought they did an amazing job with it. Um, it was, it was nice seeing the effects team getting an award, even though they they've just declared bankruptcy like the day before or the day after that's, the Oscars, that's or whatever. Quite heartbreaking. It is, it is. But I mean, they did a really magnificent job. I I really enjoyed that film quite a bit. All right. Well, I I don't want to I don't want to you know drag you down anywhere. Uh, should we say you know, say something no, about Argo? Just one one last thing about the Oscars that I felt this year, uh, for the most part, I felt people gave really uh, really nice acceptance speeches. I I really actually enjoyed listening to people talk. <laughs> yeah, sometimes yeah. They, it's just too much, and you know this time they just seemed I don't know just much more heartfelt or something. Is is this the first year? They have played. They've gone cheeky with the the yes. playout music. Yeah, usually it's just something. It's just a score, right? Building. It just slowly starts building. Yeah, this year with the Jaws theme yeah. coming in, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they just kind of like. And then they just you're just done, just man. The mic is off. done, and you've just gotten <laughs> eaten by a shark on yep. stage. You're <laughs> that's, that was horrible. Yeah. Um, the uh, let's see, uh, and uh, what's his name, Seth. Um, McFarland, fam- yeah, Seth McFarland. Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed him. I, I thought he did a good job. I enjoyed him. I felt he might have been a little too self-deprecating at times. Like it was overly self-deprecating. He really reminded us time and time again, you know. But I'm uh, terrible at this job. Exactly. I'm terrible. Everything I've said so far, terrible. What you're going to see next, equally terrible. Maybe more. <laughs> Yeah, it's just uh, the setup. I thought the twenty, I mean, twenty minutes before we got into the movies, that, that was that uh, see, was a little that much. That didn't bug me. I, because it, it just was... wasn't that entertaining. Uh, William Shatner, not that entertaining. Like I, I just, I, I felt like he was. I feel like people are making a way too big a deal about um, some of the offensive stuff when you hire a guy like Seth MacFarlane to do something like this. Really, you're going to be surprised when he does things that are offensive. Um, I, I that, that you you should get what you pay for. Uh, I found myself chuckling, um, but uh, mostly he was he's he was no Billy. I miss Billy still. I I really hope that they go the uh, the Golden Globes route with and Amy that, Amy and yeah, um, Amy and Tina, and Tina. I think it would be you know, just, yeah, they would be great. Yeah, they would be they would satisfy my need for Billy. Yes. I think they're 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 Billy Charming. I think I but think girls. They're, they're all I need. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm done talking about the Oscars. I'm officially deleting the Oscars app off of my iPad. Uh <laughs> there you go. Because it's the end of the year. I'll download it again uh yeah. next year. I've actually go. changed all the calendars in my house uh to the Oscarian calendar. <laughs> so happy new year. Oh, good. Happy New Year. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. What do we got for trailers? What are you going to talk about? I am going to talk about Contiki, jumping back into the Oscars. It was one of the films nominated for Best Foreign Film. And it's I, I didn't really know much about it, and I just thought I'd watch the trailer. And it's really a fascinating kind of frightening trailer. Uh, it, the story is about this Norwegian adventurer who sets out on this expedition across the ocean to prove that uh, Peruvians, I think, were the first people to settle in uh, Polynesia or something like that. And so he and five fellow adventurers create this ancient raft, like based on how it would have been back in the day. And they go on this this rafting expedition, basically, across the Pacific. And 
there's storms and there are sharks galore. <laughs> that alone makes me never want to try this. All of with the shot of the giant great white shark laying on their deck, snapping at them, trying to eat them is, is, you know, almost more terrifying than the shark in uh, jaws popping up at the end. It's I, just, I love how you, how you set this up as if, if it weren't for the sharks, you would try this. <laughs> I, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, you stupid know, you dumb see, sharks. They ruin watch, everything. You watch Castaway, and it's you know that was the worst moment in that whole movie for me. I, I think it's just a shark thing. The worst moment in that whole movie was after he gets off the island, and he and Wilson are sailing on their little raft, you know, uh, out into out into the ocean, and he's gone through all this trauma, and then Wilson falls off the raft. And he has to jump off his raft, and he's trying to swim to Wilson, but he's he doesn't want to get too far from his raft. I was just <laughs> terrified that a shark was going to come along. I could not stop thinking about, oh my god, he's going to die. He's going to get eaten by shark. It's, it was it was terrifying. <laughs> I am not meant to be uh, and life of Pi. Like I couldn't handle that. No, I, that I, was... I would just yeah, I would be like the open water guy. I would just you know jump in swallow a bunch of water and then drown myself before i had to feel the shark biting down on me totally it is uh, that is officially horrifying but uh you know i and life of pie i mean they were just piling it on right yeah you're in the open water and you've got a bengal tiger on your boat exactly. that's just just overkill <laughs> right it's just i mean come on what else too much <laughs> but anyway contiki does look like yeah. absolutely amazing film very excited to see it when it does roll around finally you know and there is a there is a wonderful um uh cgi um uh, there's a it's vfx breakdown uh, hd on the contiki uh right visual effects and it's like nine minutes of of how they do all the awesome shark when the guy reaches in and picks up the shark. And I mean, it's just fantastic. And it's, it's worth checking out. I'll put the link in the, in the show notes on the blog. It's awesome. Gruesome. Yeah. It's, it's good to, you know, know how these effects are done. Yeah. You want to know because it's so real. Yeah, it does. It looks so real. And you just, yeah. Yeah. It's, you got to know before you got to know before you. Yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't real sharks. Not, not real sharks. That's right. There's actually so a guy. There was a guy. And they just beat him silly. <laughs> That's not true either. Uh, now you're just lying. It was like the job of the hut replacement, you know, with the fat, the fat guy. <laughs> on, on me boogie. On me boogie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. uh, okay, so my trailer. Yeah. Um, is uh, I've I've already uh, uh, lost it. It was the brass teapot. There you go. Yeah. Uh, so you hadn't seen this thing. I not until you told me to watch it. This is a new film, uh, and it's I I believe this is the first feature from director Rama Mosley. She directed the uh, she wrote and directed the Brass Teapot short back in two thousand seven. The whole concept um, uh, in this film, we have these high school sweethearts who uh, were. Uh, according to the description, once voted most likely to succeed. Uh, when they graduate, they have a hard time reaching, finding the good life. They end up coming across this brass teapot that uh, shoots, just spouts money out of it uh, whenever they're causing each other pain, physical pain. And so it's an it's a it's a whole film. Uh, you know, it's a, a almost two hours of these two people just beating the snot out of each other <laughs> in really fantastic ways uh, in in public sometimes surreptitiously in public uh, and it's just it's just very funny it stars Juno Temple and Michael Angarano um, uh, and former Gilmore Girl Alexis Bledel. I don't know if oh, you know that right. yeah I saw that uh, it it uh, it looks very uh, to me it's that sort of dark that it's the dark funny uh, right. that I I just uh, I crave so. I'm We've had very quite a few trailers. Like We've had quite a few trailers that kind of are in that that have that vibe lately. We totally have the uh, sort of it's a disaster felt kind of like this. Some a small little bit. apartments. Small apartments was awesome. What was the one that you did with uh all the gosh, uh what's his name? <sighs> See now it's now it's gone. Uh it is uh <laughs> 
That was a good story, <laughs> that though. That other yeah. one. I'll yeah. tell you what, in five yeah. minutes, I'm going to have you tell this story again. <laughs> I will. And then, and then everyone will go to sleep. <laughs> they, will, they will all know. They'll know the truth. Indeed, indeed. Uh, yeah, so this looks like uh, it looks like a good one, I, I should say. When is it hitting theaters? April, April 5th. Yep. April 5th, 2013. So it uh, looks like a good one to keep an eye out for. Wrong. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Okay. That's the movie. Oh. <laughs> I thought you were accusing me. I thought that was an accusation. I was just telling you the name of it. You're yeah. you're so right. <laughs> That's right. That's funny. Uh yes. So there you go. That was the that yeah, that was the one with the the dog. The the wacky dog the wacky and the guy dog who's and... trying to use the dog poop to And, uh, and my favorite William William Finchner. There you go. Uh, well done, sir. Well done. Ooh, yes. All right. God, so, I'm glad you did that. Uh, I am too. I feel much better about myself. All right. So, uh, I, yeah. So we've got a couple of good good trailers coming up. Um, but we also have to wrap up this year's edition of our baseball series. That's right. It was a very short little series, but a, a good one. Two great, great picks. What are we? Uh, what are we talking about tonight? Tonight, we're ending our series with The Sandlot, 1993's uh, film by David Mickey Evans. That David Mickey Evans. Do you, look at, do you look at the other films that he's done? He is very much a uh, director of, of family-oriented films, it certainly looks. Well, he, he is now. But go back to the late 80s, right? Open House, Terminal Entry, Class of 1999. It was really until he uh, stumbled into Radio Flyer. Uh, yeah, and those the open house terminal entry. Um, he was just he he wrote those films. He was a screenplay writer. Uh, class of nineteen ninety nine uncredited, but they were both sort of B uh, uh, B grade sci fi right films. And I, I found that really funny. And then okay, let's do Radio Flyer. Kids who are abused. Yeah, oh, that was that's a tough one. Yeah, you you know you kind of get the feeling when you watch uh, Radio Flyer to Sandlot. And well, it, then you then you can tell me why you love Sandlot. Because this was your this was your idea, Sandlot. If I recall, yeah, that's, that, that's it was totally right. your idea. Uh, is that you know he wrote and produced as an executive producer on Radio Flyer, and you kind of get the feeling that half of Radio Flyer is who he is, right? Uh, and the Sandlot finishes that, right? It it's sort of, you know what I, I the, the a lot of Radio Flyer is 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 uh is not who I am anymore. That's kind of the feeling you get. And uh, and the sandlot is sort of the the punchline to that. Yeah, the Radio Flyer it w- was a strange vibe as I recall. It it really kind of had this this magical uh child version of, you know, this fantasy you know, you know world that they had created yeah. paired with this, you know, turbulent relationship with this abusive uh, I can't remember if it was a parent or a stepfather. Yeah, it was a stepdad. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. It, you know, it was beautifully, beautifully, beautifully put together. I mean, it had that very sort of Steven Spielberg circus, you know, ET vibe to it. Yeah, right. Um, and and so it was. It was gorgeous to watch until you realize what the movie was actually about, and then then you realize you're you're just getting kicked in the stomach. Yeah, it's not a film that you want to take your kids to. No, definitely not a kids' no. film. But the Sandlot is. Uh, exactly. totally falls in line with that kind of the the Goonies vibe. Uh, it's just it's great. Why do you why do you love the Sandlot? Why do you want to add this to our you list? Know, it's the first kids film, right? Uh, you know, I think it is. I think it might be. I, it was great watching it with my daughter. Uh, it's it's a really uh, just a, a fun, simple film that is a coming of age story. It's a story about friendship. It's a story about. Um, memories. It's a story about challenges. It's a story about, uh, you know, trying your best. There's so much going on here and so many elements to these kids' lives that that we're seeing as they spend this summer together that, it, I don't know, it just, it's it's one of those films that I, I, I never saw it when it came out. I didn't see it until last year when we were doing our baseball series actually i was i was talking to some of my students and they said oh you got to watch the sandlot totally and so i watched it and i'm like oh okay it always looked kind of silly when i was uh when it came out but you know as a college kid and you know you know how you are when you're a college kid 
young and cocky and all that. And this sort of movie <laughs> is not what not what you're gonna want to watch. <laughs> oh, that's that's how you were. <laughs> Very few people who can say that <laughs> right. and actually know the truth. <sighs> I was so, so not uh, cocky. You just no, sir. I, okay, I wasn't cocky. I was picky. I wasn't gonna go watch. You were the kids no, movie. you weren't picky. You were snotty. You were a cinema <laughs> snob. You and your pol- I, hand polishing your laser discs every Friday night. <laughs> How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was still on VHS. Oh yes, oh, that's right. That's right. Okay, I was what were so you much more advanced. Than <laughs> you. <laughs> Paying a hundred dollars for a movie. Oh yes. <laughs> I, I like to watch Side B, Disc 2 of Aliens. <laughs> I like to get. Uh, I like to watch my movies in 15-minute increments. <laughs> That's a real treat. Oh, uh, So anyway, <laughs> back to the Sandlot. So, so I finally watched it, and I was like, gosh, this is just a really fun film. It was a film that um, I, I, was, I wasn't really sure what to expect, and then when I watched it, I realized... For me, it felt a lot like a Christmas story, which is yes. a, a film that is not really structured like a, a film typically is. A Christmas story kind of is is very episodic. You've got these little stories kind of going along, and there's a bigger story about him trying to get the the gun and everything like that, and and everything building up to Christmas. But there, it's so episodic all the way through. This had that same sort of vibe. And all of these little episodes were just little elements of these boys kind of growing up and and experiencing life as kids in all those, you know, things that, you know, boys do when they're those tweens that age, like the 10, 11, 12 year old who go and play in the sandlot and get in trouble uh, just a little bit, like, like his mom says. It just, it has that vibe that really brought me back to childhood and those sorts of days just running around with all my friends that you you don't realize how much of an impact those that time in your life had on you until you you know reflect on it and this movie is one of those things that helps me kind of brings me back to those days and I start remembering about all those things and I think that's why I am finding this film uh so enjoyable to watch because it it puts me in that place again yeah I um I I couldn't agree more. I think that's uh, that that vibe, that sort of narrator vibe, uh, as he's telling the story of these kids, of this of of you know Scott Smalls moving into this neighborhood, having no friends. Um, it, it you know it takes me. I, I mean, I, it is such a visceral feeling. I think that's one of the things that this that the the movie does so well, and and that these boys, frankly, do so well. Uh, is is capture that feeling of youth. It's not pretentious. It's goofy. It's uh, it's it. It was just very natural. And it, I should say, it, it's not natural. But that's my memory of what I was like then. Exactly. Does that make sense? Like like yeah. they they took out the stuff, all the stuff that was probably really happening in my experience. Yeah, right. That it's just really horrifying. And they just saved what I remember about you know. You know, we didn't we didn't have a sandlot, but man, did we play the heck out of some kick the can? Sure. Well, uh, and 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 even going so far as to expanding, like the the way that kids do, expanding on what things are, and the whole idea of the beast is yeah. such a great example of of them imagining this monster, this you know Tyrannosaurus Rex type of dog that's behind this fence that will devour a child in one bite and all that sort of stuff. Right. And has and, eaten 150 baseballs. Exactly. And it, all these criminals and everything. You know, <laughs> you know, the backstory for the dog is almost as fun as the whole movie. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> but it captures all of that, that imagination, that place that kids' minds are in at that time in their lives. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, what I think is, is uh, really special in terms of the, you know, sort of standout performance from Tom Greary, uh, I think it's Gyrie. I don't I, even, you're going to do that to me again. Every I, I, two, I don't I, pronounce I do. things. I know. I, I like to correct you because I feel uh, special since I listened to it on the, uh, the special features just a half hour. Well, ago. did they talk <laughs> anything about Denise Liari? They didn't. I mean, he was sort of a newcomer at this point. 
They did not talk about anyone. Oh, <laughs> Denise, so I was like, who is this Denise Liari? <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, that was good. That was a good one. That was good. Yes, Denise Liari. Daddy, I quite, I quite, I'm going to have to keep an eye on him. Daddy, Daddy got game. <laughs> uh, so uh, Tom Guyry. There you go. Uh, he likes it when you say Guiri. He does. <laughs> <laughs> they all do. I have my own special pronunciation. That's right. Uh, when when he, the the, I think one of the most sort of special kind of relationships is is when Smalls, uh, kind of introduces himself to the Sandlot Club, right? Right. And, uh, like how many times when you were ten, eleven, did you? get into that social situation where you were absolutely 100% ill-equipped to truck with a group. Like, you don't know who Babe Ruth is, and right. you want to play baseball with fanatics. You are ill-equipped to be there, and, and you have to find a way to feel your way through um, the indoctrination process. And I think, gosh, they just, they, the the boys themselves, I think, did a terrific job uh, of of making that awkwardness and that just that horrible feeling of vulnerability uh very very real in this just otherwise kind of goofy uh funny film yeah they they all feel very real in a very uh childlike way they're all a little bit over the top but you can totally buy into all of it coming from these goofy kids especially like someone like squints Every time he's talking, it's so over the top. And then when he's when he's playing dead, waiting for the kiss by (laughs) by uh, Wendy, it's uh, that that wink and smile that he does is just the goofiest you know thing that a kid could do, and it totally works. It just it makes you love him all the more. You know, I think it works back to this sort of how we interpret our memories thing as as kids is uh, that. When you know when they go home that night and they're telling their brothers and sisters or moms or dads what happened that day, <clears throat> they're telling them exactly how Squints portrayed it in this film. Yeah. Not <laughs> not what right. likely really happened, which is very awkward sort of <laughs> mouth, mouth grope. Right. Uh, but this very cool sort of trick that he pulled on the the uh, unknowing lifeguard. That was, exactly. It was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was, no, and, and you're right. It is, and that that goes back to the whole thing of of the reality versus the memories of it, and that's why you know this film just taps into the that feeling of memories so well, just like a Christmas story. I mean, mm-hmm. they both have that vibe of putting you in a place where you remember things that way. How do you think this compares to to movies like um, I don't know, Stand by Me, for example? You know, to to me, in contrast with that movie that came out, uh, what was that? 80, late eighties, eighty six, I think. Yeah, somewhere uh, around here. Uh, that y- you sort of have the same vibe uh, with the the boys, uh, and yet there is a lot of of sort of non memory faded darkness. Yeah. Uh, well, and you know, I mean, obviously coming from a Stephen King story, there's a much darker place for it. And and the interesting thing is, I think both of these stories, Stand By Me and and The Sandlot, are based in part on the lives of the authors when they were Mm -hmm. young. Mm -hmm. And it's, I guess it's telling in a way that, you know, Stephen King's real life story of, you know, going on this hike with his friends and finding a body is, you know, is a little little darker and right. you know i i would it would be an interesting story taking these sandlot boys and putting them in that sort of a place now granted i mean they're a little older in yeah, in, yeah in a little the, bit that film but um yeah it's there is an interesting difference there and i think it's just the nostalgia factor that this one is trying to tap into mm-hmm. something like stand by me it's hard to tap into a a, a feeling of nostalgia when it does deal with with death and you know all those hard things that they have to go through in that film but it does have that vibe if you think about it in context of 
the journey that they take. Because I think there are some nostalgia moments in the in like the train sequence in uh, in Stand by Me, mm-hmm. and likewise when he's telling the story about the pie eating contest. Absolutely, and that's that's kind of what I was getting at. Like there are these, it sort of dives in and out of that sort of nostalgia uh, nostalgia zone. Um, yeah. in, in a in a gifted way, not not so much like um, uh, not as committed as something like you know the Wonder Years is actually that's an interesting one that this this brought me back to was uh, hmm. uh, that you know here we have um, a show a, a television show that that existed to give you the exact same feeling I think that I was getting out of watching The Sandlot again today and that ran you know I found that interesting that that show ran from you know uh, eighty eight through ninety three. Um, you know, when it went off the air and, um, you know, was such a celebration of that same sort of nostalgia in the same era. Right. What was going on when we just, all we wanted to do was hang out and talk about the late sixties. I know, I guess, I guess it was, a you know, everyone from the late, late sixties grown up. Right. So the, uh, talk a little bit about that, about how the, the, um, the story is structured, you know, uh, from when you look at kind of the dramatic arc of the story and uh, because I think this is uh, it, it's it's kind of textbook in a really pleasing way. It's I mean, it is a very simple story. Like I said, it is episodic. It's got uh, these just the 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 whole beginning of the film all the way up through the midpoint when they get he gets the ball and they lose the the Babe Ruth ball over the fence because then really the second half of the film is dealing with that. Right. The first half of the film is just very episodic, them getting to know each other and then going on all of these different um I, I don't know if you'd call them adventures, but um life experiences. You know, you've got the the love story going on, the little scene at the at the pool with the lifeguard. And you've got the rival team. You've got the them learning, you know, the the trials of uh, chewing tobacco. Um, all of those sorts of things that they're they're experiencing in that second. Uh, it's it's really kind of like I guess the beginning of the second act of the film. It's it's like you like you said. It's it's pretty simply structured. You've got a nice open and it leads up to the ball getting lost. And then the second half of the film is getting the ball back only to find out that it was probably, it would have been a lot easier. Um, and it should have been a lot easier than the route that they took. But, but because 11 year old boys are all naturally Rube Goldberg machines. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, it was, that was, that was hysterical. That was fantastic. Yeah. Watching the, 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 the trio of vacuum cleaners that they've brought up to their treehouse <laughs> with plugs traipsing all the way down to the house and, and this and giant tube. <laughs> what was so brilliant about that? Is, and this is this gets back to what I was talking about. You know, I mean, who didn't who didn't do stuff like this when when the vacuum cleaners start to fail? Uh, you know, the easy choice would have been to unplug them. Unplug them, turn them off, right? Yeah. All of those things. No, they abandoned the treehouse, right, on mass, and leave everything <laughs> running to blow up. It's just—it's exactly what—it's so real, people. It, well, it is because, and that's the whole thing. Is like, as an adult, I watch that, and I'm like, just turn it off, kids. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, but these are kids. Yeah, they don't—they don't think that way. <laughs> they have to—they have to learn. Exactly. They have to see it blow up first. Yeah. Uh. The the one of the things I like so much about that second act, uh, you know, it, because it's not the the whole film might not be necessarily episodic. It's that second act that takes you into kind of sitcom land, uh, where you get all of these little vignettes. Yeah. But what you earn out of those vignettes uh, is you earn the team. Uh, insofar as this, you know, these kids are part of a neighborhood pickup game. Without all of the, um, without all of those sort of efforts to, to retrieve the ball or to try out the the tobacco or to, uh, you know, whatever, blow up the vacuum cleaners. Without all of those things, uh, you don't really earn, uh, you don't earn the the disappearing players segment at the end of Act Three as he as he's listing off where everybody ends up and how the right. team disappears and how they never really replaced the players as they moved away and grew up. Uh, which, and- which, was, which was very touching when the last person you see 
playing ball all by himself with Hercules the dog watching yeah. him is Benny and he's just sitting there hitting the ball and it it is kind of uh it's heartbreaking it also it does have that kind of uh, melancholic feel of of childhood passing yes and uh, and it's it it that actually was another one moment that did bring me back a lot to uh to the ending of um uh stand by me yes yeah yeah absolutely and you know it was it was a oh gosh well that's when the man tears started yeah yeah uh, I did love uh, just as a, a quick aside. I love the the last segment when we see that the uh, you know our fair narrator Smalls is grown up and he's now a, a um, he's now calling the games, um, and the uh, and Benny is the grown up uh, player for uh, what was the team? See now I don't have it in front of me. Oh, I can't remember. Is he the Giants? Oh, it was the Dodgers for the LA He's Dodgers. Dodgers. Right, yeah, that's right. Uh, and uh, so Benny is playing for the Dodgers, and um, uh, and the actor that played grown-up Benny was actually younger Benny's older brother. And the actor who played grown-up Smalls is Arliss Howard, who was in Moneyball. Yes. He played the owner of the uh, the Red Sox, right? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So That's right. Uh, fascinating. Fascinating. So what, uh, what, let's, let's, uh, do, what, what do we have of note in terms of the production of this thing? You know, I don't have a lot about the production of this. Um, you know, the kids, obviously something that we talked about, uh, in last year when we were talking about baseball, when you're doing a baseball film, it's, it's one of those sports where you really have to have people who know how to play the game mm -hmm. to make it look real. Now, obviously, if you're doing a story about professional baseball, they have to be looking like they're really hitting, hitting you know, fast pitches and all that. With kids, you definitely don't have to. You're not throwing, you know, 90 mile an hour fastballs at the kids or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But they still have to know how to play. So they still had to find a group of kids who who could play ball. And I mean, honestly, these kids got to play ball for a whole summer, basically making a movie and having a blast. And I, I think you can tell that this is a group of kids that bonded and really connected. And I really like that about it. Mm -hmm. and, so, they, and frankly, they're not bad ball players. No, they did a great job. Yeah, they and, looked great. Uh, yeah, yeah, they did. They really did. Um Let's see. Anthony B. Richmond was the director of photography. He had some nice work in it. It it wasn't anything that was meant to really stand out, but it does have some fun framing. Just you know, some nice shots of of people lined up and stuff like that. It looks it looks pretty nice. He's a guy who definitely keeps busy. You know, he's actually working on the Diary of the Wimpy Kid movies, Alvin and the Chipmunks. Um, so he definitely is still keeping busy making a lot of films. Uh, the music is by David Newman, one of the of the family Newman, the um, composing family, mm -hmm. who does lots of great stuff. And I, I really enjoyed his his the the vibe that he brought to this film. It does have a nice, uh, again, kind of a little bit of a nostalgic sort of feel. I like what he did with it. The uh, yes, I got sidetracked no, you got while sidetracked. you were talking. You moved on, and I was still looking at Anthony B. Richmond. Oh, okay. Well, you know, only because I, I I find it so fascinating when we when we look at these guys who have been who are kind of the under the radar guys, right? And uh, and so you know, as you say the the Sandlot was not a it, this was this was about these little characters. Uh, it wasn't it, it, you know it wasn't designed to kind of visually shake the world, uh, but where he uh, you know where he goes from there. Gosh, where? How did he end up doing Big Mamas? Like father, <laughs> like father, like son. Yeah. Uh, uh, he ends up doing these kind of crazy things. I guess. Uh, yeah. I guess there's nothing really in here that just sort of. Well, I mean, this is a guy who started. I mean, he's he's listed on IMDb as as director of photography uh, for 85 titles. Yeah. And that's from the 60s all the way through present day. I mean, he was working like way back when with uh right. with with nicholas rogue in uh don't look now he was working with uh gosh it looks like it says woody allen no that's not woody allen who did this, this film oh michael apted mm -hmm. uh you know he 
you know, he's a British cinematographer, which is always interesting when a British cinematographer ends up working in baseball films. Um, but he, he really kind of had that 60s vibe. And then he he came over to America at some point, I guess, and started making some TV movies and getting into things like um, The Indian Runner and Candyman, Sandlot, Tales from the Hood. So it really kind of, you know, I, I think he just became kind of a, a studio cinematographer, yeah. kind of a go-to kind guy. Kind of a utility player. Yeah, who could really get the job done, knew how to make things look good, um, probably did a great job and probably works works quickly. And, you know, he it looks like he's just keeping himself busy doing yeah. it. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, now we can go back to your music. No, I, I well, I finished with him. I, I mean, I just, oh. I liked it. I think that he does a great job with it. And, um, yeah, that was really all I had to say about it. <laughs> well, that was good. I'm glad I came back for that. I am too. I am too. <laughs> really am glad. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a really fantastic film. Oh, you know, other people in the cast that we uh, that we haven't pointed out. Um, we you have, about, are you going to talk about the grown-ups? I was going to talk about some of the grown-ups. You should do that. Denise Liari. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's wonderful in the film in his bit well i shouldn't say he's wonderful but he has a nice bit part as the stepfather and i think he does a good job in that sort of role without giving it the creepy i'm gonna beat you vibe that you get in (laughs) in radio flyer Flyer. right he He has he's just busy not abusive right exactly there's a difference karen Uh, allen proving that you know she's not as awful as she uh stop no, Stop. I mean, I was going to bring do up Crystal Kingdom Skull. The... I, I, know you was. I was. That's just me. Yes. No, she's not always that she bad. She wasn't great, but she was um, good in this. She was fine, yes. Marley <laughs> Marley Shelton, as absolutely lovely as ever, as Wendy, Wendy Lifeguard. Wendy Peppercorn. Yes, Peppercorn. Uh, That's, there you go. Marley. There's a, there's a woman who's destined, who needs to get married so she can change her last name. She, she Wendy really Peppercorn. <laughs> uh, I she has been. She's one of those that's been in a lot of movies that she's I didn't. Been in, I you know I didn't know. She's been in a lot. I, one, some of my favorites are actually Planet Terror and Sin City. I think that she's Sin City. Uh, yeah, those, those films are just you know, fun, 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 and she's great. Yeah. Um, in them. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, she's definitely been around for a long time. Uh, she was in Pleasantville and, uh, you know, Warriors of Virtue. There's a really terrible children's film. This was, so this was, it looks like her second feature film. And after this, she goes to Nixon, uh, Oliver Stone. That's, that is, is that... quite a jump. No, well, no. let's see. She's Grand Canyon. And uh, yeah, and then uh, a lot of TV is where she kind of started, right. and then the Sandlot, and uh, yeah, it does look like uh, her next Nixon feature is the next one. Wow, fascinating. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, and uh, we can't forget to talk about the Mr. always awesome. Yes, Mr. James, Mr. Earl, James Jones. Earl Jones. He is. He has to be. Quite the baseball lover, yeah. Because he's done quite a few baseball movies. I shouldn't say quite a few. I mean, he's been in at least two that we've talked about. Then back in the in the seventies, he did uh, Bingo Long. The thing is, he's been in seven seventy two hundred movies. So <laughs> you're bound to hit a few baseball movies. There you I'm go. I'm not sure if you're just not rolling the dice on that. He did the Bingo Long, Traveling All Stars, and Motor Kings. Uh, a baseball film a year before Star Wars. Man. Yeah. The yeah. the guy loves him some baseball. He's a baseball man. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. He's just always great to see and he's great in this film. It's nice when he pops in. It's just really fun. Yeah. Uh yeah, it really is a treat. He plays the the blind owner of the beast uh and a former baseball player himself. Yeah, I love the deal that he makes at the end with the boys. Just come to my place every week to talk about baseball, and we'll call it even. It's that is one of the most uh, just tender moments in the film, and it just that's a, a moment that that you know I I didn't have man tears, but I did come close. You did. You totally did. You choked a I little did, bit. I didn't. 
Not this time. Okay. Oh, and then last, yeah. um, another baseball face that we've seen before, Art Lafleur, who plays the babe in this. He was in Field of Dreams as one yes. of the baseball players coming out of the corn. Yes, he was. Yeah. Uh, he just, I, you know, he's he just looks like Babe to me. He just looks he's like just, a baseball player. He totally he does. He's a baseball he be, player. He really needs to be in every baseball movie that gets made. Him and James. Yeah. James E.J. <laughs> he likes it when I call him that. He, he does. He does. He, call, he calls me. He says, just, just say it that one time. <laughs> Jimmy J. Jimmy J, uh, come on. You can't Jimmy call J. me so late, I'd say. Wow, you're, this is still yeah. going. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit. Stop. Uh, okay, so the film uh, is a, uh, is it fair to call it a a, a a cult favorite now? Is that? It really, it, it is now. When it came out, it got some some good reviews. It got some bad reviews. Uh, some people said it was shamelessly derivative. Some people said it was uh, genuinely sweet. Some people uh, said it was remarkably shallow. You know, there's a wide variety of the reviews. But um, and when it came out, I, I couldn't find any numbers as far as how much it cost. But it did make about thirty two and a half million uh, domestically, only about a million internationally so about about 33.8 is its uh, total gross but since then the cult love for this film has just skyrocketed and VHS and DVD sales around the world estimated at 76 million mm. so this is a, a definition this film is a definition of a cult favorite of a cult it, favorite yeah, it really has just taken off, and uh, people love it. It's it's a film that is going to stand the test of time because it just has that that feeling that we've been talking about that people connect with, and it brings them back to a place that has nothing but positive memories of childhood. It is that you know, I Roger Ebert uh, says that the the movie seduced him. Uh, yeah. and and I love that word about this film. It is it is seductive in in the way it sort of lures you uh, and connects you to your own past. I you know if you lived in this in in this sort of a you know this this hot summer hot long summer days uh, you know playing in the neighborhood, then this this movie seduces you back to that place, and it's really it, it's very special. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, I guess those who think it's shallow are radio flyer people. <laughs> That's right. You're either a radio flyer or a Sandlot person. Whatever. And that's it. Whatever. One or the other. Um, I I think that um, I think it's a great it's a great family film. It's a great film to to hang out and watch with the with the kids. Absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a good it's a good good movie night or summer movie. Like yeah, and it's great to watch again yeah. at the start of the baseball season. Oh, it sure is. Yeah, uh, let's. Uh, you know, one one last little thing that yeah. I I didn't realize until um, we watched it, but I found it so interesting that we ended up picking Moneyball and The Sandlot as the two baseball films that we were talking about this year because Moneyball is so much about this like science of baseball and the statistics and how to win using statistics and it almost takes a lot of the magic out of it and this film really is about how baseball is this tool that transports you back to this place of memory and nostalgia and the joy and the magic of life and and there is some of that in moneyball and they they you know there is that thing but i just as a really interesting look at the two different sides of baseball you I know thought. i i think you're absolutely right it's it's an interesting it, you know i think you get that moment in in the sandlot when you know when smalls is so obviously struggling on the on the sandlot and uh, benny comes out and, and he says i don't how do i catch the ball mm -hmm. he says just hold your mitt up in the air i'll do the rest right it's like this this baseball as thing of faith uh, but, but in, in contrast, you know, Moneyball insofar as the story of Moneyball is about statistics and about sort of sucking some of the, some of that faith out of the game. I think the lesson of Moneyball is that there is always faith in the game. 
Well, yeah, and the, I mean, especially, and there's always magic, like yeah. that last little bit when they watch that uh, the tape of that player who never thought yeah. he would hit a home run, and then here he is hitting oh. a home run. And it's that's the magic, and and Brad Pitt has that great line there about how can you not love baseball? Oh God! When Jonah Hill, when he's telling that story, he says everybody's laughing at him, and what he doesn't believe, what doesn't know yet, is that he's just gone. I mean, that that was that is one of the best speeches about the love of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I think you're right. This is a great a, a great pairing, a far better pairing than I would have expected it to have been, yeah, or than I fun. indeed did expect it to be. Right back then. <laughs> Let's flick chart it. Let's. All right. So the Sandlot. Here we go. So the Sandlot we're adding to our flick chart. And first up is it's thinking. It's thinking. Mm -hmm. How's how's it thinking? Gosh, every single be, time the Dark be. Knight rises. Why is that always the first thing that we have to rank against? Well, I picked the well, Sandlot. Well, I picked the Sandlot. Sure. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. By the way, the poster that they have, it must be a German one, is called Hercules und die Sandlot Kids. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Fantastic. All right. San wow, dude, we jumped up quite a bit. Sandlot or Zero Dark Thirty? Oh, Okay, now how are you? How are you thinking about this? Which well, one would you put on more often? Yeah, which? Yeah, We're I feel like to... I feel like this totally uh, this totally ruins it because I would pick Zero Dark Thirty. Well, Zero point. Dark Thirty is by far a better film. Yeah, so I think we have to vote on. We've that. got it. This is where we vote with integrity. Yeah, that's right. It's a very serious process. <laughs> Sandlot or adaptation. Uh, adaptation. Yeah, adaptation. Uh, the Born Identity. Born Identity. Okay. The Sandlot or Cloud Atlas. Sandlot. I would go with Cloud Atlas because of how ballsy it was. They did some crazy stuff in that film. I know. I know they did. <laughs> <laughs> and, and still... And still, I'll, you know what? I'll give you the same lot. I'll okay. Give you the same lot. All right. I appreciate that. Yeah. I feel like I give on this a lot more than you do. That is totally not true. Are you <laughs> kidding? All right. Okay. Go. Moving on. Say a lot or thank you for smoking. Whatever you want. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was easy. Thank you for smoking. Yes, I agree. All right. There we go. Number 35 out of 75. That feels exactly right to me. It's pretty good, yeah. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, where do we go from here, Andrew? We're we're at the end of baseball. We're at the end of baseball, and we are going to be jumping into a whole new series that uh, I think is going to be a lot of fun. Something we've never done. It's a, it's a series we have not done before. We're going to be doing an original sci-fi series. These are films that are not based on anything, that did not spin anything off from them and really have never had sequels anything like that it's it's a complete standalone sci-fi film that we love oh i'm pretty excited about this yeah me too uh there we we're only we're only doing three of them but i think this is one this is a oh, series we've got four we've got four we do uh -huh. oh oh that's see i was looking at the spreadsheet and there was a little thing in there that got in the way and i didn't see that we do we uh, have yeah, four yeah. that's we right a whole month the month of march Yep. is all about original science fiction. Uh, it's some of the some really not just terrific sci-fi in this set, but terrific, terrific films. The first one, should we say it? Are we saying it? Let's do it. Let's lead into it. You can say the it. first one. Yeah, we're doing. So, uh, we're starting with Dark City, and I believe we will be reviewing the director's cut, the re-release. Right. Sure. Is that the version you have? I have to go look. All right. I that's so. that's the version we're going to be looking at uh and very very excited this is this is um it's one of my very favorite films it's it's a pretty fantastic yeah. sci-fi wholly yeah. unique holy 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 unique <laughs> holy unique batman uh so that's it that's all i've got uh do you have anything else you would like to say do you have you want to one-up me on one more thing or 
You know, I... Uh, Are you I fatigued? I, I am fatigued. That tires you? All of our Oscar talk just, just tuckered me. Plum <laughs> tuckered me out. You're an old man. I am. I'm going to start go throw some stones at kids walking you across should, my you lawn. Do, oh, you should totally do that. Gonna... That's It's liberating. It's freeing. <laughs> when you're young, you don't understand. Sometimes you just got to throw stuff at people. <laughs> when you're a kid, you just feel like a victim. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> all right i gotta go it's good talking Fantastic. to you catch yes you, sir i'll, I'll catch all you right. next week sounds good i've been podcasting since 2006 in that time i've tried countless hosting platforms but in august 2022 we switched to transistor to power all of our shows here at true story fm and it's been a game changer. I love the Transistor allows unlimited podcasts and storage without extra charges. We can publish so much content, and we do. If you want to start up a podcast, do yourself a favor and host your show on Transistor. With their one-click publishing, you can get your new show onto all the major podcast directories effortlessly. And their website builder lets you quickly build custom sites for each show. The detailed analytics are invaluable, too. You can access all kinds of listener data anytime. Oh, and the versatile players allow you to embed episodes anywhere to reach new listeners. Plus, the team behind Transistor is super responsive and keeps making the platform even better. After using countless hosting services over 15 plus years, Transistor has been hands down the best podcast partner for us. If you want a hosting platform to take all the worry out of getting your podcast out into the world, go to thenextreel.com slash transistor and check it out. Support our show and support your own show by going to thenextreel.com slash transistor. Start growing your podcast today. <laughs>